0: Gone are the taboo days of pot. As cannabis becomes increasingly celebrated, understood, and legal, it's still a long way from eradicating the stigmas created from years of misinformation. We're investigating facts, cutting through fiction, exploring medical solutions, and sharing the stories of the people making it all possible on the Cultured Cannabis Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to the Cultured Cannabis Podcast. Today I'm joined by Associate Attorney at Green Spoon Martyr, Fabian Limon. Fabian, thanks for being here, brother. Thanks for having me, Tony. No, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you bringing this uh, very exotic strain of uh, of homegrown weed. Oh, absolutely. Any opportunity that I can
1: take to, to share something that is, for me at least, a passion of labor and love, um, I'm going to, because, I don't know, there's something unique about, you know, you putting that time in, putting that effort in, that love and that care in, and then being able to to kind of give that to somebody. And they have their own positive experience, hopefully, with it. And it's just, it's a nice thing to be able to share.
0: Absolutely. Well, on that, here you go. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Um, how did you get into cannabis? I know that you're very passionate about it. You're an attorney, and it almost seems like uh, you're a pioneer in this case, uh, you know, in the industry, being an attorney in specifically cannabis. how did you get involved with it all? Um, you know, I think for me really the, the impetus
1: to me coming into the space and trying to get more involved just stemmed from my, my passion for the plant. You know, I I started smoking and consuming cannabis when I was about seventeen, um, more so in college. And I think, you know, back then I had less of an understanding of kind of how to consume for my own benefit and sure. you know, like most college kids was probably having more fun <laughs> and not focusing on, you know, a, a beneficial experience for the various things that I use cannabis for now. But it still created a, a very deep level of intrigue for me. Um, because when I started looking at cannabis and seeing some of the ways it brought benefits back then, it just sparked my curiosity. And so I just back then too, is like if you wanted to read about it, maybe on Reddit, uh, maybe you could find some forums that give you a little bit of information. But I was just always one of those people where when I got into something and it sparked my curiosity, I would kind of obsess over it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That's passion, right? I mean that's what that is. So for you, was was being an attorney always a dream?
1: Um, that's a good
0: question. You know, it's when I think about it, I would say that
1: I think it was my father's dream more. Oh, <laughs> really? Um, and he was a big pusher for me going to law school. But I do look back ultimately and realize, you know, one of the things he always told me is like, Listen, he's like, Go to law school, get a law degree. You could play the piano, you could play the band, you could do anything, but you can always rely back and fall back on your law degree. And I will say now, having kind of gone through the process, gone through law school where I am at today, a lot of the opportunities in the, the positions I found myself in as, as a result of being a lawyer. Um, and so while I don't think necessarily I had this deep vision of like I'm obsessed with law school and that's 100% what I'm going to do, I do think that, you know, I knew there was value in it um, and I really appreciated and, and looked up to the wisdom that my father would have to give to me. And so I kind of followed in those footsteps and everything, it came together.
0: So I'm assuming he was an attorney? Uh, he's
1: actually he's a police officer.
0: Oh, no way. Yeah. Well, that's it. Well, that's probably why. It's a very smart uh, smart man and set, really set you up. Yeah. Uh, and exactly what he'd said, though. Almost like it manifested in that way where you know, might have well said play piano, but you're like, oh, you mean cannabis? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> exactly. Like, cool, I can always fall back on that. And you actually found a way uh, to make it useful for yourself in that, you know, that with, with the, the legalization of it, well, the, the legal topic around cannabis as it is, right? That it was illegal and and, and even as an attorney in the space, but now you're really taking on this approach of building a community around um, both your passion for the plant, but also in regards to what you do as an attorney and being able to really trailblaze for others, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think part of it for me ultimately goes back to what you just mentioned, which is the concept of community. Um, For me, that's one of the things I love most about this space is that you know, the, the community that can come together, the way that we can develop power in numbers and truly kind of collaborate to innovate and bring this space forward is what excites me. Um, I think that when I find myself in kind of unique positions where I'm getting an opportunity to see the way business moves, to see how deals are done, it, it, it shows me, you know, some good lessons and things that I kind of take and internalize and learn from. But I also get to see a lot of areas that I think could have improvement and I really try to focus on how I could possibly refine a lot of the stuff I see in the world I live in when I'm on the legal and compliance side um, take those lessons and and kind of go off on my own and, and do something that I think is not going to be just beneficial from a business standpoint but representative of the actual community and what they're looking for um, power and numbers I mean I would not be where I am today if I didn't have the support, the, the partners, the friends, um, everything about this space and the education I've developed is because I've been lucky and I've had great friends who have put me in the right direction, saved me from a lot of mistakes, and and helped me be open to just continually learning.
0: I think that's one of the things that I learned about you very early on through our conversation was this idea of community, but not just that community for the sake of community, but you know you can't do it alone, that this isn't meant to be done alone, and that you really lean into that in a way that I don't want to say it's necessarily altruistic, right? But in a world of egos, you're kind of shedding that a little bit where you're finding, like you said, uh, power in numbers and, and creating around that. What's the the vision as, you know, I kind of see it right now. It's a blank canvas in the industry and, and as a community. So kind of up in the air to be malleable and, and informed in any way that those like yourself are, are trailblazing. What's the vision for you to push forward that, that, that's, that gets you up in the morning that, that you see for the legalization, the incorporation of, the culturalization of cannabis?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I think for me, what, what motivates me and gets me up every morning, it's, it's two parts. I think the first is that um, I feel like cannabis and coming into this space creates a very unique and rare opportunity that's, that's once in a lifetime. And I believe strongly that if you can build a team and you can execute, you can be thoughtful and um, consider you know, a lot of the different ways that this industry can chew you up and spit you out. Right. Um, you can be in a position where you can really create generational opportunities for those and those that you love. Um, and that's a big part of my motivation is that, you know, when I talk about the idea of team, like my team, even what I'm doing right now out in Michigan, like what I'm building on, it's with my best friends. It's with people that, you know, I I love and I care deeply about. And I have this vision in my mind where it's like, I I look forward to the day where I can wake up, I can hop in hop into my Jeep, go drive and get some breakfast with my best friends, and then we're gonna head to the facility and we're gonna focus on the plants. Yeah. and being able to to build that team that that also supports and believes in that vision and the purpose, our higher purpose of what we're actually working towards, um, is a beautiful thing to me. It's a it's it's a way to Connect not just with the people I love, but also build a connection with the plants. That kind of, in a holistic way, is is bringing us all together. Um, and I feel like when I wake up every day, and sometimes I'm very tired, I try to focus on that because this you just I feel at least personally to to make it through, to get to this space, to try to achieve anything, you have to have a lot of grit. That or you know parents with a ton of money. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but but either way, I think that. You know, survival requires that consistency. And I would say that my secondary motivation is to try to kind of get out there and and see if I can find an opportunity to be one of those individuals that is a thought leader in the space. I think right now, we don't really know who those people are. It's still developing. And I think there's a great amount of opportunity for so many people to contribute. And I think as time goes on, I'm figuring out more and more, not just as a lawyer, you know, or a deal maker in the space, but also as someone who's an owner and operator, who's going through the process, you know, with my partners and building and putting together facility and, and doing a lot of the, the, the hard work and the, the feet on the ground. And I think if I can merge those two areas, I can come with a very unique perspective that most people do not have. And that's one of the things I try to do do, do even now when I work with my clients is leveraging the years of experience I have with my friends out on the west coast with the people I speak to on a regular basis so that way when I look at projects for them I can assess so much more than just the legal side I can look at the facility design I can figure out whether or not you know their expected yields that seem astronomically higher actually achievable based on what they're presenting um, from a growing perspective and that that insight I find is an area that I want to kind of keep pushing and see if I can establish myself as a thought leader in that
0: space. Wow, no, I mean you're you're doing it, and, and, and as you mentioned, you, know, you wake up tired. Can't imagine why. I mean, you're traveling all over the country. Talking about going to the East Coast, you got, you know, uh, your foot in the door in, in, in California and now Michigan. So you're doing a lot. You're 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 all over the place, right, in terms of the country. But all with the same mission, of, as I'm hearing, it's almost like you're providing a consultancy service to people just because out of the passion of what you do um, know and, and, and possess in terms of wisdom and experience uh, in the space, right? So when, when you think about the the cultivation process of it, how, how has that evolved? How it, It's come a long way from several years ago, but the way that people cultivate and, and grow is becoming very crafty, like an art form. It's like science meets art, right? Yeah. How did you get into, you know, the growing aspect of it, the, uh, the, the knowing so much about it, building community around that, and to the point where you get to consult on it?
1: Um, I think in part it, was, it started with just my obsessive personality and just wanting to learn more. Um, and over time, that allowed me to create relationships with people, more often than not, who knew way more than me. Um, but they maybe saw that I had a passion or an interest or an intrigue, and they were willing to kind of open themselves up to me and... You know, create an opportunity to bridge that gap where they can teach and, and show me a lot of things that I didn't know. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think that there is a very um, important aspect that we should recognize when it comes to someone who spent years and years with the plants. Mm. Um, and so being able to be in a position where I've developed relationships with people who have that experience, but also people who are obsessed with the science of it, who are, you know, telling me how i should focus my studies on plant physiology and plant biology and you know an understanding of plant hormones and led lighting all of these things they weren't you know (laughs) i wish i could say that they were thoughts that came in a tunnel exclusively from my own mind but it was truly i think that you know i just came out with a, a passion and a love and a willingness to learn and that was what gave me the opportunity to create the relationships that then opened my eyes to so many
0: other things absolutely what what would, did you find to be the most difficult thing? The the challenges, right? Uh, whether it be through the legalization of it, whether it be just the uh, the learning curve or uh, the 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 perception that people have, right? The stigmas. What has been some of the biggest challenges to to overcome from that perspective?
1: Um, I think there's there's a combination of a few. Um, strictly from the business side, you know, of course, one of the challenges, depending on where you're applying for licensure, is you know actually acquiring a license in a very regulated market. Uh, Illinois is a great <laughs> example. Um you know I, I applied for dispensary and craft cultivation. Uh we have we know we're part of that group waiting on the next 60 licenses that may come out. Um but you know we put that application together starting in 2019 and submitted in early 2020 and look where we're at right now. Right right. Um you know we secured a building in Elk Grove Village. Um you know ultimately ended up losing it because of the delays. And so I think there there's just a practical reality mm-hmm. that you can put a lot of money into some of these endeavors, but, you know, the process, at least optically, will certainly appear not to be the fairest. Mm. Um, and you you can't let that stop you. Um, you know, I think that's, nonetheless, we continue to try and push. And ultimately, that's what made me pivot, you know, to Michigan and look, look to trying to establish something there. Because I joke, but I honestly think that You know, while we're waiting for these licenses here in Illinois, I could be pretty close to having complete facility done and up and running in Michigan simply because Illinois was just no longer a viable option. And I can't sit on my hands and wait like that. This is I really mean when I see this space as a once in a lifetime opportunity. I have to seize it now because year after year, I've been putting a lot of work into building relationships and getting to know people. And as time has gone on, it's it's a great feeling because it feels like everything is coming together. It's also sometimes nerve wracking. (laughs) Um, because of the just the volume and the amount of work that comes along with it But I I recognize and value and see what the opportunity in front of me is and I just I've got to keep pushing and so I think you know from looking at the challenges to just being here, of course, it's getting into the market getting a license Michigan is a little bit easier on that end um, and then in addition to that I would say You know, it's it's still tough to come across capital in this space to get money to raise I think um you know, I've been fortunate in that I have people that believe in me and believe in, you know, my, my team and what we're doing. Um, and they're very close and trusted friends and family. And, you know, for me, that's ultimately a very beautiful thing because um, to have people believe in you to that extent. Um, because I, I, at the end of the day, they they know cannabis, but they don't they don't know it, right? They don't, right, right, right. You, you could show them A-bud and C-bud. I don't know that they could tell the difference. Um, but that's a lot of what I think it you know, sometimes will take to be successful is you have to build a team with trust. And, you know, for me, keeping it small, keeping it intimate with people I have spent, you know, for some some of them decades, building relationships and proving my capability to be consistent, to, to do what I say I'm gonna do, um, and to work hard, is giving me the opportunity, you know, that I have in front of me now. And so I do think that, you know, it's, it's the combination of actually getting into the market, it's getting the capital, um, and then, you know, getting through the growing pains and the challenges that come along, which is designing, building a facility, um, you know, the things that most people probably aren't thinking about until they're actually doing it. And you're, you're sitting there and you're trying to figure out, oh, you know, what's the weight bearing load on my ceiling? And, you know, how much are these pipes going to weigh? And all these different things you have to think about that, you know, I think normally unless you really have the desire to be intimately involved, um, you're going to miss a lot of that stuff.
0: Yeah. No, it's, uh, <clears throat> all very true, and all words of wisdom. I mean, they really are. That as, as people get into it, and you're right, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. That it's it's an intersection of legality, but also acceptance that creates demand. Right? That now, you know, it, once it's sustained, it's about who made that mark from that point. Right? And, and kind of went with that flow. For you, also one of the things that we had spoken about was the culture around cannabis and and how to change the stigmas around that so that it becomes a normal part of life right what how for you has that been incorporated into your mission that as you're going out and doing this and helping you know help the cultivators helping the the businesses involved how have on the other side of it trying to make whatever it is whether it be marketing conversations um that address the stigmas around cannabis for those that you know, have just preconceived notions that aren't necessarily accurate. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, its I think that
1: um, a lot of us probably, you know, that are out there that are smokers at some point maybe had to deal with those in the most direct way, those yep. preconceived notions, maybe with our parents. Yep. Um, I know
0: I did. I you know, know, with your dad. I mean, <laughs> got back in the day, right? Because it wasn't legal. Your dad's a cop. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, that could be a whole other episode right there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that
1: I have found that for me, one of the best ways to kind of overcome some of these stigmas is, is through having direct personal relationships with people. Um, because, you know, my my mom, for example, wasn't the biggest fan, of course. Sure. Um, and understandably, she came from a different era. Um, and, you know, people had a different view of cannabis, but...
0: It's also a cultural thing, depending on which culture you comes from. 100%. And, you know, yeah. um,
1: but I think she came to realize and see the the passion and the excitement that I have, the amount of purpose that I feel when I'm doing the work that I do and she was willing to listen as a result of that and just hear me out and that's really what it comes down to I think is creating that opportunity to bridge a line for communication where people are willing to, to listen and 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 maybe sometimes it's whether it's through a close personal relationship or it's because we've created these preconceived notions about people who maybe are in categories of certain professions where it's like oh they do that and they smoke um,
0: you know, I I feel think- like being an attorney. I mean, you're I mean you're a case study in and of itself, right? That if you think about it, you started at seventeen, call it a gateway drug, call it whatever, right? That now you're doing this, here you are an accomplished attorney. So <laughs> it didn't inhibit you from doing these things. If anything, it might have even helped you, depending on something that you wouldn't have known to be present in you. Like for me, who's growing up, ADHD and focus and this and that. I there's, I mean, I couldn't, I literally didn't graduate from college. I you know, barely graduated high school. But then once I started smoking and making that a part of my life, man, could I sit down at the computer for hours and you know, do things that were just difficult for me because I had this plant? My life might have been different. Not that I you know, would change anything, but you are that case study. That, that, that this is something that should be considered even for those um, more medically traditional routes of, ritalin or whatever else right but not to take away from your saying but just you know you, you did it you're you're that example you know the thing is and i think I, i'm certainly not the only one i've got
1: tons of friends some of my my brightest most intelligent friends that, that use cannabis on a regular basis i i don't think you know and i think obviously those those that do consume know and recognize that you know usage is not necessarily indicative of <laughs> no. much of anything you, you can't really just start making assumptions based on that different. alone everybody's different Exactly. Um, and I think that, you know, people consume for different reasons to, to, to try to help them in different areas of their life. And I think that especially when you kind of look at this plant from like a medicinal perspective for what it truly is, right? And I've got a, a, my, one of my partners and good friends always tells me that this, this plant is a gift. And how you choose to treat this gift is ultimately up to you. But... We should do our best as much as we possibly can to to portray this gift and and to give it to people in the best possible way, so they too can have that wonderful experience. Um, you know, he he, my my good friend is always telling me when it comes to really thinking about cannabis, um, it's not, and I'm separating it from the business side, but it's not profit, it's not ROI, it's not it's not all of these kind of tangible numbers that people obsess over. You know, it's it's that kind of purity of connection that you can develop um that becomes the true ethos and (laughs) i think that um you know he's 100 percent right that that's that's kind of the level where i see that i want to get to and and connect what we do and what we recreate um and we're going to do that through i think having a team with an understanding of what this space is and where it came from and how it came to be but in combination with looking at our cultivation facility and practices that are going to leverage our skills, our team, and then all of the resources we have within that facility in such a way that we can start being strategic and pointed in everything that we do. What I mean by that is, you know, we're gonna be, we're having a bespoke facility that's gonna be integrating Arroyo, and trim, these data data aggregation um, companies where we can start collecting data, we can start analyzing everything that we're doing so we can truly control and figure out how we create repeatable events. And right? that's one of the biggest <laughs> things is that unless you, at least in my opinion, unless you have some tangible data to actually put forward, then you're not really recreating repeatable events as far as consuming experience. Um, And so I do think that being able to to leverage both the love and passion that my entire team has for this space in combination with an understanding that to provide the best experience to a consumer, we also have to become experts and focus on, you know, utilizing science in combination with, with love and feeling, of course, for the plant. In a way that's gonna get the best version of whatever product we're producing to the end consumer. Um, because I think at least as far as I see it, you know, really that's a big part of our higher purpose is to be in a position where we can create that value to a consumer where they they know that when they have our product, they're gonna have whatever that experience is that they're looking for on a consistent basis. One that's gonna be something that, you know, can be reachable by by many people because I do think that everybody could use this type of benefit in their life. Um, and I think that, you know, that's, that's, when I think back to one of the things maybe I didn't mention that motivates me in the morning, that's another aspect.
0: Man, and you and it's just so funny to hear you saying these things that couldn't be more serendipitous in a way that, you know, prior to this, we were talking about how, well, first of all, the community aspect of things for you. And one of our previous guests being Manny Mendoza, it, he said the same thing, you know, the community aspect of things, but then in that in line or in the spirit of community you're talking about data again one of our previous guests who's now going to be hosting podcasts she works for a data company right and so it's like you you keep seeing the evolution of these things that as a as a kind of a unified consciousness that needs to move forward right this uh, higher way of thinking that (laughs) no pun intended right but uh, that it aligns with what everyone else is doing and thinking and 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 finding passions and so it's really encouraging to hear everything you're saying Um, and to hear the work that you're doing within the community. How can people find out more about you? Where can they uh, go? Where can they visit? Where can they follow? Um,
1: So I, uh, you know, I'm an attorney with Greenspoon Martyr. um, And so they can look me up directly there on the website, Fabian Lamone. I've also, you know, I've got my LinkedIn and I've got an Instagram. It's just at Lamone Life. Um, And, you know, just reach out, shoot me a message. I love talking to people in the space. Um, You know, some of my most interesting conversations and, and you know relationships in this industry have been just from someone shooting a DM or yep. hitting me up on LinkedIn and it's surprising. You'll never really kind of expect or think that, oh, wow, that's that's where that led. But yep. um, I'm I'm always excited to speak to anyone who's got passion in this
0: space. Well, there you go. If you're listening and uh, you're inspired to reach out, I encourage you to do so. You can, Like I said, you can, well, do so the way that Manny, I was called Manny. I am not think <laughs> Manny. No, Fabian, excuse me. You can do so the way Fabian said, but you can also do so um, by filling out the form on our website uh, on this episode, and he'll get that directly in his inbox. But you know, with that being said, Fabian, thank you so much for coming in, sharing about you know everything you're doing, your story, and overall your passion for for this community that's really uh, uh, evolving uh, and becoming what it is today. So thank you, thank you, Tony.